I'll turn off my thing. Today we're talking about HNLP. Um, my contact info is HNLP.com. And today, yesterday was the easy day. The easy day was yesterday. Um, so I always start these questions, these things with a question. I learned how can I enjoy this? Um, so, Dr. Wilbur, it's either it's breaking up or I cannot hear you at all at times. So I don't know if it's just me. I cannot hear you either. This better? Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. All right. So anyway, sorry about that. Uh, so is NLP new or is it somewhat ancient? You know, to me, one of the fundamental pillars of NLP is uh, decoding and replicating processes. If one person can do something, anyone can do it, right? And when you look at the truth, NLP is not really new, you know? Those of us that I got in the NLP world in the uh, early 80s, early, early 80s. And, you know, a lot of people are, oh, it's groundbreaking. But some of us sitting around going, well, you know, some of this comes from Maxwell Malt. Some of it comes from uh, uh, Korzybski. But anyway, it what they did different is they gave you a replicating process. They gave you a replicating process. So to me, NLP is not really new. It's just a different way of looking at it. So... Um, so NLP techniques in the Bible. Today, I'm going to use on that one because I know it better. Uh, but ancient cultures used metaphors, analogies, and stories, right? They were nonlinear thinkers. So they used the colorful metaphors, the analogies, the stories. They were more figurative, not literal, right? And what begins to happen, someone tells a figurative story, you know, that a, a, a metaphor and analogy. And then, unfortunately, I think we've seen people take that kind of information and turn it into... It's literal, this is what it is, da, 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 right? And I use, it's currently mis, misinterpreted. And there's a martial arts analogy that I know, and it's rather current. After World War II, when the Americans and the Brits uh, started taking martial arts in, in Japan and China, you know, after we, where we were occupying, especially in Japan, uh, especially the Americans, the Brits, and the Australians, and a little bit the New Zealands, uh, they were taking martial arts. Well, you had the language issue because most Japanese did not speak, um, uh, you know, English. So it was a struggle. Secondly, you got to remember the average Japanese guy was like four to five inches shorter than the Americans and the Brits and the Australians and not to be politically incorrect, not as physically strong. And we had just bombed their country back to the, to, to the Stone Age. So they weren't real happy, but they were making money. People wanted to learn this NLP, the, this martial arts, you know, these hidden things. And because of the language issue, I think things got misinterpreted because again, they were using figurative, they were using metaphors, they were using, you know, different analogies. Uh, and, and mainly because the language, things just got thrown out of proportion, you know? And so they said, well, this is what this means. This is what this means. Like it, it, you don't have to know martial arts or karate to understand. In karate, they call it kata. Um, uh, 
other things call it forms, but it's these movements, right? And if you now we know after going back and people breaking the code, if you will, that like in karate, they, you know, they, 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 there is no block in karate. Everything is a strike. You know, there's all these movements that look like you're doing this and this. And, and then people would still interpret when I first started taking karate in the seventies, they say, oh yeah, like you, there's four guys. So you're going to punch this way. Then you're going to punch this way. Then you're going to punch this way. Then you're going to punch that way. And actually even intellectually, you go, this is pretty stupid. Four guys are just going to beat the crap out of you. But it was basically, and it got misinterpreted because what they meant is, you know, if they attack them this way, you do it this way. So that's why they, if, if you've ever seen it, when they go to the other side, it's the exact same movement to the other way. So it's trying to teach you that no matter where the attack comes from, front, back, side, this is the technique you use. But because of the misinterpretation of it, it got thrown out, right? And so it was kind of interesting. And some of the really hidden cool stuff, uh, they didn't teach us. Again, if you're five or six inches taller than me, you're faster than me, you're stronger than me, and you just blew up my country, am I gonna teach you things like pressure points and all the cool stuff? So that's an analogy. And if you take that back to ancient times, uh, it's kind of interesting. And so are there NLP techniques in the Bible? I've talked a lot about the book of Daniel uh, where, you know, Daniel in the lion's den, you know, he's thrown, he, the king doesn't like him. I'm not going to get the whole story. I don't claim to really be a Bible scholar, but he's being sentenced to death. And the king decides to throw him in a lion's den, let the lions eat him, starving lions. And he says, you know, if your God is as strong as you say, the lions will protect you. Well, he's thrown in the lion's den. And what he does, he sees the lions, he turns his back on the lions and turns to his savior, right? And and he's saved. The lions go down, sit, lay down and fall asleep. Great. You know, and this has been interpreted as all kinds of things taken, you know, uh, literally, but what if figuratively, it means turn your back on your problems and focus on your solution. Is Daniel in the lion's den a fancy swish pattern? Whoosh. So you're turning from your problem, like, you know, if you're going to do a NLP technique with smoking, there's your cigarette, it, whoosh, it disappears. You could say, turn your back, see, see the answer, which is you as a non-smoker, you're happy, you're healthy, boom. So it's kind of interesting, but they didn't know how to teach this, right? So maybe they told, I spelled Daniel wrong. Uh, 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 it's more figurative. And what about Moses parting the Red Sea, which is in Exodus 14:21? Um, is it a visual squash, right? Is it so, you know, as when Moses parts the Red Sea, they can see things on both sides and they have to go down the middle to get to where they need to go, right? What if it's more of a command to pull back Look below the surface, part them, and see the two sides of the issue that you're doing. And in NLP, we call that the visual squash or parts therapy. Here's the part of you that wants to um, quit drinking. Here's the part of you that likes it. And if there's a turmoil, if you pull back, you separate. Okay, this is all the good things that'll happen if I get clean and sober. This is what I perceive I may give up. But if I get to the other side, and when the sea comes back together, it's calm, right? It's calm. So is it nothing more than that? What about the mustard seed? This is one of my favorite, Matthew uh, 17, 20, right? And Jesus, Jesus said unto them, 
excuse me, let me, I should get my fundamentalist Christian voice. And Jesus said unto them, because of your unbelief, for verily I say unto you, if ye have the faith of a grain of mustard seed, ye shall say unto this mountain, remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. Great. So what's generally said is it only takes a little bit of faith. It only takes a little bit of faith. What if it's really a focusing technique, right? And Neville Goddard really talks a lot about this, right? That it's not a little bit of faith. Uh, yes, a mustard seed is tiny. A mustard seed is tiny, right? But the only thing that mustard seed can do is become a mustard plant. So if you have a seed, an idea, a dream, a hope, something you want to accomplish, and you're going you're gonna to work on that, that's the only thing you can focus on, right? You don't plant a mustard seed and hope to get a palm tree, right? It's got to be planted in fertile ground, your subconscious mind, and that's the only thing it can become is a mustard plant, right? That's it, right? And yet, I think it got misinterpreted that it only takes a little bit of faith, but a mustard seed, the only thing it can do is become a mustard plant or die. There's, there's no in-between, right? And so it's about total faith, locking in, locking out every other idea, except I'm going to become a mustard plant. I'm going to become thin. I'm going to become in shape. I'm going to do this. What if it's about total faith? And what if it's a focusing technique telling you to disregard everything around it, but focus on this, this small segment? What about the statement, I am? I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That's John 14, uh, chapter 6, or verse 6, chapter 14, verse 6. What if, and Neville Goddard talks about this a lot, um, it's a technique about your self-image, right? I am, and there's all kinds of quotes in the Bible, I am, especially Jesus, I am, I am. Who are you? I am the great I am. Well, what if it's really about self-image? It's not about an external higher power. It's not, not about, I said this might upset some people. It's not about anything like that. What if it's about your self-image? When you say, I am, right? I'm stupid, I'm fat, I'm slow, I'm, I'm, I'm a loser, right? What if it's about watch what you say when you say, I am, I'm the way. And when, whatever you say after that is going to become what you are, you know? So what do you say, I am about yourself, right? And when you say it, what's your first gut level response, right? And that's, again, that lets you know, hey, you have safety mechanisms in your brain. You know, you can't say I'm a millionaire and you got no money, you know? And now we know language. A lot of this predates the way we use language. But you might, you might easily say, I'm a potential millionaire. Everybody in the world is a potential millionaire, you know. Um, that's why one guy, I well, I forget who it was. Uh, one of the prosperity ministers used to say, buy one lotto ticket. Don't waste your money, just buy one. Because then at that moment, you're a potential multimillionaire. Doesn't matter if you ever win. You can honestly say, I'm a potential multimillionaire, you know. And so it's about whatever I am, I am. So that statement, what if it's not about a literal interpretation what if it's figurative what if it's you know a focusing technique for what you are cool all right so what's next what about this one be still and know that i am god and be stills in the bible a few places right i will be exalt exalted um, uh, among the nations i will be exalted in the earth or exodus 
that was from Psalms. It's one of the book of Psalms, uh, Exodus 14, 14. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. What if this is a mindfulness technique? Calm your mind, calm your mind, and let your subconscious mind do what it does best, right? What if it's a focusing state? Be still and know that I am God. You know, your I am will come through, right? So maybe you have to change your I am. Maybe you have to change your focus. Maybe you have to change these other things about yourself, right? So when you look at that, what if they're trying to teach you these techniques, but they didn't know how to say like, you know, change your self image, you know, uh, uh, use logical thought, you know, uh, uh, you know, the, the oh, I can't think of it, Socrates thinking, you know, where you do logic and get to the truth. Uh, but even then, and now we know, and this is coming up in our post-traumatic stress course, that with the vagus nerve, with the, you know, with what we know about how the mind and the, and the gut sometimes disconnect, that's what post-traumatic stress is in, in acute stress. It's in the body, it's not in the mind. So what if it is, you have to be still and get in touch with certain things, right? And know that you can work through it, but first you have to be still. And what about the one, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth? But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone's, well, they take the eye for an eye is in the Old Testament. And then Jesus in the New Testament, Matthew uh, 5, chapter 38, 39 says, again, an eye for an eye, a, a tooth for a tooth. But he said, and he came to correct some of this. He tried to update the Old Testament. Remember, he was a practicing uh, Jew at the time. Um, and he was trying to update some of the old information. So he said, don't resist one who is evil. If one slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also, right? And this is about forgiveness. What if this whole technique is about forgiveness? Turning the other cheek, all of this, right? And it's fun to hear fundamentalist ministers back, you know, misquote the eye for an eye, right? And say, yes, this is why, you know, if Jesus were here, he would be for us going to war or whatever, right? But what if it's about a, this, this quote from Matthew is about forgiveness, you know? Don't resist the evil, you know? And again, go back to the book of Daniel, turn your back on it and focus on what you want. Focus on what you want, which now we would know, I could throw in. It's also about retraining your reticular activating system. Interesting stuff, eh? And here's the big one, uh, which is the Immaculate Conception. Is the, as the Immaculate Conception is the foundation of the Christian mysteries from like the Catholic Church, um, and it's the assumption of their crown, psychologically, you know, what if it means, and this is powerful, I think, the Immaculate Conception means the birth of an idea in your own consciousness, unaided by another, you know, because when they ask Mary and she goes, I know not a man, it means you get this idea and if, you, if you're in touch with your I am, you can manifest this. It could come to play without someone else helping you, right? Right? And so I just wanted to throw that out there, right? Because I'm beginning to break it down a little bit differently. So first, I, I went to the one I know the best, and, and not, the, not to claim that I'm a, I'm a Bible scholar. But these are the things known. And you, you, we've all heard these things misinterpreted and all this other stuff, you know, and... Uh, you know, what if just like if you looked at it simply, I heard one guy say the, the, the Old Testament is like volume one. Well, now it's been replaced with volume two. You can disregard volume one. 
It's no longer in play. We need, it's like I'm on Windows 10, right? That's, that's what I got to focus on. So psychologically, you know, uh, the, uh, these ideas, if you take them and turn them into like NLP techniques, you go, this makes sense, right? And the people that got it, got it differently, right? And, and so next time we'll do, um, we'll look at Eastern ideas, Sun Tzu, I forget what his uh, mentor's name was, Gudzu or something like that. Anyway, there's some Eastern ideas we can look at, right? And things from the martial arts, right? We can look at those ideas and take them to the next level. I'm gonna stop the share. All right, I'm gonna stop the recording.